Hey, everybody. It's good to see y'all. And uh, a little different venue here right now. Yeah. Both of us are going to tag team this morning. And uh, we're looking forward to sharing with you a, a message I hope that's going to be Encouraging. Encouraging and uh, <laughs> life-changing and transformational. Valentine's Day message. Yeah. yeah. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I hope that uh, you know how much you are loved. Uh, Valentine's Day has a history uh, from uh, a saint of old from the 300s, uh, St. Valentine. And there's lots of stories about this saint. There's uh, some legends that are associated with the holiday. A couple of them have to do with the fact that he would write encouraging notes many times on a heart-shaped piece of parchment. Uh, to Roman soldiers or to Christians who are being persecuted, these words of encouragement, these letters that say, hey man, you know, hang in there, that type of thing. Uh, another tradition has that he was uh, imprisoned, and of course he was a martyr for his faith. He was put to death for his faith. But he prayed for the daughter of, of the jailer. Her name was Julia, and uh, she was healed. And right before his death, he wrote her a note, and it said, from Valentine. And, and some say it's from your Valentine, but, but uh, that's another part of the tradition. And uh, finally, another one was uh, he would, uh, uh, because the emperor said, I don't want my soldiers to marry because I don't want them to have attachments. I want them to be single. I want them to be focused. I want them to be the best soldiers they can be. And he felt like that was how he could accomplish that. He would uh, respond to these soldiers that said, I, I, I'm in love with this woman. I want to be married to her. And he would do some secret weddings. Uh, and of course, that got him in trouble uh, with the Roman emperor. But uh, those are just <laughs> some of the traditions there. But uh, anyway, I hope that you know that you are loved. And Valentine's Day is a day that we can celebrate love. Many times it's celebrating a sweetheart, somebody that you, that you uh, are connected to romantically or, or that time. But, but also it's just uh, showing that you care for somebody. I remember in third grade uh, when we lived in Athens, uh, uh, East Athens Elementary School, there's a little girl I named Anna. I just learned about this this Yes, you found out about an 8.30 service, but a little girl named Anna that I had a crush on, and I couldn't wait to get my Valentine from, go from all the classes and, uh, <laughs> and see which one, what Anna wrote to me. But anyway, you don't have to worry about that. No, no, don't be insecure about Anna. I don't know what, what's happening to that girl. But uh, anyway, so we can share our love for others and, and encouraging notes and uh, these connections that we have that are so, so vital to our uh, well-being. Uh, and so happy Valentine's Day, everybody. So with it being Valentine's Day, we thought we would focus on relationships. And uh, the title of our message today is, I said this and you heard that. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? I said this, but you heard that. Uh, maybe it's somebody that you work with, or maybe it's someone in your family and you're trying to explain to them something that's important to you, or how you want something done, or, and, and all of a sudden you realize that they've not received the message, that somehow there's been this miscommunication. Or maybe someone is talking to you, and somewhere in the midst of it they say, you know, you're not listening to what I'm saying. You're not listening to me. I know Mark and I, we uh, just so last Saturday, we were taking a walk around here at Howard Oaks. It was our day off. And so I was excited. I wanted to tell him about something that I've got coming up. And so I was beginning to tell him about something that I have planned. I was surprised at his response. His response was not what I had expected. And, and I felt like in his response, he was being critical of me. Well, it was like, well, that wasn't the message I was trying to communicate. So with greater energy and with greater passion and with more words, does anybody ever do that? I began to tell him again what I was excited about and what I had planned. And then his response to me was again, I felt like, you know, he, he was being critical of me. And so all of a sudden, we're kind of escalating up. It's our day off. It's we're on a walk. And I'm like, 
wait, what, what's going on? And finally I asked the question. I said, what did you hear me say? I said, just like that. I said, what did you hear me say? And he, so he begins to tell me what he heard me say. And I said, I did not say that at all. That was not at all what I said. I don't know how you got that. I said, here's what I said. And so I go back and repeat my, what I thought I had said the first time. And then he goes... He said, said, you might have thought that's what you said, but that was not what came out of your mouth. (laughs) So there there is something that happens when we communicate with one another that sometimes the messages can get misconstrued. So a great example is just use this ball. This is a purple. Everybody agree this is a purple ball. Can y'all see this? Uh, It is a round ball. It is a lightweight ball. It's not very heavy. So in my mind, this was my message. So I thought it was very clear. Uh, No way you could misunderstand my message. And so I handed my message to Mark thinking that what he would would hear was... This is a purple ball. It's plastic. It's lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't see how there could be any problem for miscommunication. Okay, here's what really happened was my message was more like this ball of Play-Doh. Can y'all see this? I don't know if y'all can see this. Okay, there is purple in the Play-Doh. I'm not going to lie. There's also some glitter. Uh, There was my passion. There's some red there. That's my emotion. Uh, There's a little bit of green in there. And it's not perfectly round and as clear as I had thought it was. So I've got all these filters going on. Uh, my, My experiences, my expectations, my wiring, my the stuff that I don't even know that I'm aware of. And so my message isn't quite as clear as I thought it was, and I hand it to him, but then what does he do with my almost perfect message? (laughs) So I hear it through some filters that we're going to talk about this morning, and basically what it ends up being is something like that. (laughs) Based on how he interpreted my message. So then he hands it back to me, And it's still not at all what I was trying to communicate. And so back and forth and back and forth we go until the next thing that we know, we're having a little spat as we're taking a walk. But I will say it was great because I walked a whole lot faster and a whole lot harder. So I said, we should just always fight when we walk. I mean, this I I work much harder when I'm mad. But but anyway, so, but what's going on here? So the the thing is that is so clear is that uh, miscommunication uh, can really be so toxic and harmful to our relationships. And uh, Clay Scoggins said it this way. He's a pastor and author. He said, miscommunication has called all kinds of problems in the world. Wars have been started. Companies have gone out of business. Families have stopped talking to each other. And marriages have broken up because of miscommunication. Because of miscommunication. So what's the problem? The problem is pretty simple. Is that there are two parts of communication. There's what we say, but then there's what we hear. So today Mark's going to be unpacking a passage for us today from the life of Peter and a conversation that he had with Jesus where they kind of weren't hearing and saying the exact same thing. All right, so if you got your bulletin or if you're watching online, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 21. We're going to go through verse 23. This is from the New Living Translation. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly, he thought he was speaking plainly. Yes. Tim, it was very plain. It was a purple ball message. Yes. Don't know how you can mess this up, guys. So plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the leaders, the elders, and the priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed 
But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So that's the clear message. He's saying, guys, I'm going to go to Purple Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer some terrible things from the hands of the leaders and, and uh, teachers of the law. I'm going to die, basically. I'm going to be killed. However, on the third day, I will be raised from the dead. So that's the message. Verse 22. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Now, here's Peter taking Jesus aside. Other translations say rebuke. Can you imagine having the gall to tell Jesus he is wrong, rebuking him, correcting him? Well, that's what Peter did. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So that last verse gives us some insight. He was hearing from a human point of view and not from God's. Our human point of view really wraps many times up in what we want ourselves. We, we pull in our selfish desires, what we want for ourselves. So when Fran was telling me her story, one of the things that I was doing was, was viewing it from my standpoint, my selfish standpoint. And so my response to her, a lot of it was what I didn't want to happen. What I could see down the road that would happen, that I was trying to circumvent in my response. And so uh, Jesus says, listen, you are not hearing as God would have you hear. So that's a big part of the problem. And because of that, we see there's some filters that kind of help unpack, unpack why we hear things the way we do from a human standpoint. So what are the filters? And so if you've got your bulletin, these, these are the fill-ins. The first one, the first filter that we have to deal with, that we hear these messages from, these communications, is the filter of experience. So let's talk a little bit about Peter's experience. So we know that Peter is a fisherman. He and his brother Andrew are working together. They have a fishing tray. They're in the Sea of Galilee, northern part of Israel. And uh, he works outside. His job keeps him outside. They are casting nets. They're drawing in fish. They're selling the fish. They're mending their nets. They're making sure their boat's in good repair. It's an outside job. He works very hard. And when he encounters Jesus and Jesus invites him to follow after Jesus, Peter says, all right. He's all in. He and his brother Andrew leave their fishing trade and they follow Jesus. And the experience that they have in following Jesus is remarkable. The crowds that are around Jesus, thousands and thousands of people, the teaching that Jesus, uh, you know, as he is teaching, people say, We've never heard anyone teach like this man. He has authority. It says in the scriptures that Jesus was followed by large crowds. He taught in their synagogues, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So it didn't matter what the infirmity was. It didn't matter what the limitation was. Jesus healed every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. And Peter's right in the middle of this. He's watching all this. He's saying, I've never heard a man teach like this. He's the most amazing teacher I've ever heard. This man has such authority. This man can heal any disease, any sickness. There's nothing too difficult for Jesus. 
being a fisherman, he spent all his time on that lake, and there's stories about Jesus calming the storms, the, the storms that are just about to sink the boat. The, the guys in the boat are so afraid. They said, aren't you concerned we are going to perish? In other words, we're going to die out here. And Jesus speaks to the wind, speaks to the wave, and the st- storm calms. And it says, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves, even the sea, obey him. They've never seen a man speak to a storm and the storm immediately. They, they've never seen that. Peter's experiencing all this. This is ex- exciting stuff. The, the 5,000 that he feeds in Matthew 14, the 4,000 that he feeds, and that's just the men. We don't know how many women and children. And, and so Peter's a part of all this. He's experiencing all of this healing and teaching and miracles and, and amazing things that are going on. Uh, there was a synagogue official uh, his name is Jay Iris. It's all, all the accounts, and, and two of them say who it is. He has a daughter who's dead, and he, and he comes to Jesus and says, listen, if you'll just come to my house and, and touch her, you can raise her from the dead. You can bring life back to my daughter. And Peter hears this guy say that. Peter's a part of that group that goes into his house, and, and Jesus raises this young girl from the dead. And, and Peter's thinking, I, I, I've never experienced anything like this. And the verses right before the ones we read, Jesus asked his followers, what's being said about me? What are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? And it's not that Jesus is insecure or just wants to, you know, get some PR here. He's making a point. And they start telling him, oh, gosh, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the prophet. And then he says, all right, guys, who do you say that I am? Who do you think I am? What, what, do, you, what do you believe about me? And it's Peter who says this, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Basically, you're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're God in the flesh. There's nobody like you. Peter believed that. Peter knew that. So what did that mean to Peter? So I think what I hear you saying is that Peter had had all these experiences where he had seen Jesus's power over the wind and the waves and disease and, and all these things and all of those experiences when, when Jesus started saying, hey, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die and it's going to be the, at the hand of these religious leaders, that was his filter was like, no, that, that doesn't compute. That, do, that doesn't make sense. That's not what I was expecting. And so your next feeling there, another filter that kind of causes us sometimes to not hear the message clearly that someone is saying um, is just what our expectations are. And so for Peter and that, that early first century Jew, I mean, just imagine if you will, they had grown up under Roman rule. They were living in an occupied country. Rome had occupied their nation. And so they had these hopes that really grew out of the Old Testament that there was going to be a Messiah who was going to come and help them throw off the Roman rule, throw off the, the rule of the, the religious leaders that were corrupt and, and, and not truly um, kind of being who they were supposed to be. And so 
when Jesus said that he was going to be basically a suffering servant, that just didn't compute with what Peter's expectation was of who Messiah would be. And where did he get this expectation? Uh, when you look to the prophet Isaiah, who, who wrote in the Old Testament, he said that there would be this, this coming one. Uh, we often quote this, this verse at Christmas, but it says that there was going to be one who would come who was the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal father, the prince of peace. And here's what helped shape Peter's expectation is this next line is it said, whose kingdom will never end. So Peter had an expectation that Messiah was going to be a wise ruler who would have no end to his kingdom. So that expectation was a filter that made him say, oh, no, no, Jesus, you must be wrong. You're not to suffer and to die at the hand of the religious leaders because you're to have a, you're to have a kingdom that will never come. Another passage in Isaiah that I'm sure had to shape his expectations in Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, it says that there would be a coming branch of David on whom the spirit will rest. And here's, here's the important line. It says, but in this person, this Messiah, who Jesus thinks, I mean, Peter thinks this is who Jesus is, that he will rule the earth with justice and equity. He's expecting someone uh, who would slay their enemies, who would throw off the yoke of Roman rule, someone who would rule and reign, not someone who is going to you know, lay down his life when he w when he was innocent. So, so he had these experiences, but then he also had these expectations, and they were really filtering the message that he was hearing from Jesus. Yeah, and the final fill in there is um, how he was wired. So we have our experiences, and so we hear things, and we filter them through our experiences and through our expectations, but also our personalities. You know, who we are. And God creates each one of us uniquely and differently. But um, the thing on Wednesday night that we're inviting you to, the wonderful gathering that we're going to have, uh, and it's in your bulletin there, really we're going to unpack uh, our temperaments a lot more on Wednesday nights. It's going to be a lot of fun. But how Peter was wired also caused him to hear this very clear message of Jesus and um, respond Could in that reshape it. misshapen way. So what do we know about Peter? Well, like we said, Peter was a fisherman, and then when he denied his fishing trade and followed Jesus. He was all in. He was completely immersed. He was sold out. He was 100% a follower of Jesus. He wasn't, you know, uh, half in. He was, he was all in. So that was his temperament, his personality. Oh, yeah, just go for it. G give it all. Peter was outspoken. Uh, he was the first one to say something. Remember when he said, when Jesus asked, you know, who do people say that I am? Peter's the one who said, Lord, you're, you're the Christ. And uh, he didn't say, Peter, who do people say? He's, he asked everybody. Another time when Jesus was um, saying some very hard things, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And a lot of people left. He wasn't talking about cannibalism, but there was a difficult saying. And Jesus turned to his followers. He said, you guys going to leave too? And Peter is the one who said, where would we go? You, only you have the words of life. You're the one who gives life. You're the one. I, no, I'm not going to stop following you. I'm all in. So he was outspoken. He was bold. He was very confident. Um, we see, you know, in, w another storm, and, and here's Jesus walking to the disciples on the water, and they think it's a ghost, and they're crying out for fear. Y'all might remember the story, but, but the, Jesus said, it's me. And Peter's the one who said, if it's you, Jesus, then tell me to come and walk to you on the water. 
bold, confident, assertive. He, that's how Peter was. Um, at the very end of Jesus' time with the disciples, right before he goes to the garden to be arrested, they say, hey, we've got two swords. And Jesus said, that's enough. And they go into the garden. And when the crowds come to arrest Jesus, all four gospel accounts talk about the servant who gets his ear cut off. Two accounts, Matthew and Mark, say, and one of the disciples draws his sword and cuts off the, the servant of the high priest. Luke and John say, Peter draws his sword and cuts off the right ear, and John is the one who calls the, the servant by name. His name is Malchus. So out of the two swords, out of all the disciples, who gets one? Who makes sure he has a sword? Peter. And what happens when he feels threatened? What happens when, when the, 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 the armies are coming and everybody's coming to arrest Jesus? What does Peter do? That bold, that confidence, that assertion, that who he is, his nature. He's the one who defends Jesus. He's the one who pulls that sword. He's the one who makes the first strike on someone. It's this bold man, Peter. Peter was so confident. He was so bold. Uh, when Jesus is trying to prepare them, not only does he give them the message that we've been talking about, but he says, guys... I am the shepherd, and they're going to strike the shepherd down, and the sheep are going to scatter. And all of you guys are going to scatter. And Peter says this. This is in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, and also in John. But in Matthew 26, 31 through 35 is where we see this. Peter says, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Even if everybody else says, Jesus... I'm not going to fall away. And then later on, Jesus says, you know, that, that you're, you're going to deny me. All of you guys are going to deny me. And then Peter says this. In Mark's gospel, it says, insistently, passionately, he says, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Peter was all in. Peter was so confident. Peter was so bold. Peter was so aggressive. Um, and then Jesus said, no, Jesus, uh, Peter, I know that you're saying that, but tonight you're going to deny me three times. But that's his, Peter's temperament. His temperament was that. So when Jesus says this clear message, not only does he filter it with his, ex, his, his Experience. experiences, but his expectations of who the Messiah is, but also his temperament. His temperament is, no, don't lay your life down. No, you're the, you're the Messiah. No, you're going you're gonna to rule. You're going to reign. I'm going to be right there with you, man. I'll, you tell me to jump, I'll say, how, how, how do you want me to jump? I mean, that's who I am. That, I'm, your, I'm your man. And so when he hears the message or when we hear a message, we've got to realize that how we're wired, it has a lot to do with how we hear those messages. So when Fran tells me this thing she's so excited about, how I'm wired and my expectations are like, wait a minute, and I'm, I'm looking way ahead in the future, and I'm, I'm responding to her based on how I'm wired and how things are going to go, and, and, and we've already talked about how interesting <laughs> that was, and how passionate she was walking, and how, you know, all that kind of stuff, but, but I had to, and I did, and we do filter 
how we, we hear, hear the message. And I think what's message. interesting about Peter in this last one was how he's wired as who God created him to be. It's like God created him to be this passionate warrior that God was going to be able to use that those gifts and those graces as we read in the book of Acts, kind of that fearlessness. But in that moment, how he was, his God-given wiring was actually filtering how he was hearing the message that God was trying to communicate. So I think that's interesting. And I think there's just a lot of practical application for us as we think about this and kind of think, okay, so in our relationships, um, how do we make sure that we're communicating well? And, and most of the time, you know, we, you can kind of work it out. It's not that big a deal. But, but sometimes miscommunication, I mean, it can really affect our families. It could in place, uh, just, it has a lot of ramifications. But I think just some practical things that we take from this is one is just to pause, just to pause. When you realize that there's something amiss, to pause. Um, and, and now that day, I didn't, I, we did pause, but I didn't do this. But especially, I think this is a good advice. We should have taken my own advice that day. But we day. worked it out. We worked it out. But, but especially with relationships, and there seems to be ongoing where you're missing, missing each other, is, is just to say, Lord, um, help me to see this person from your perspective. Help me to see this situation. Help me to see this. Am I coloring this with my own self-centeredness, my own selfishness, only wanting to see it from my perspective? So I think that's the first thing. It's kind of like, what's the attitude of your heart? And make sure it's a, it's a Christ attitude where we seek to see it from the other person's perspective. But then to just kind of go through that, that little list, say, okay, is there anything about my experiences, my expectations, my wiring that is coloring and filtering how we're having, you know, what, what is um, informing this? Or in another way to think about it, how might, when you realize the other person didn't get in it, to say, oh, wait, um, here's, base, here's what I know about this person's experiences, about their expectations. Here's what I know about how they're wired, maybe I need to change the words that I use and how I communicate. Um, one of the fun things that we did here at Martha Bowman um, is we took about three months as a staff and we took a whole battery of different temperament and personality assessments. And the goal of that was one, just for our own self-awareness and it's fun, but it's also to learn about each other. And what's interesting is, as a part of this particular company that we used, we get these daily emails. And it might say something like, Fran, don't forget, Mark is an extrovert. So when he is has an idea to pr present, he will, will often want to process it verbally. So so also, you know, we the more we learn about the other person, it also helps us improve our communication. So I think there's just a lot of practical, um, you know, things that we can learn from this. And uh, one of the things that Mark mentioned um, is that if you're here in person, you've got in your bulletins there. If you're not online, I'll tell you about it. Uh, it will be, you you know, let you know more about this on social media and on our website. But on Wednesday nights in March, we're going to do just kind of a fun small group study. And it's entitled, uh, I Said This, You Heard That. And it's really going to be taking a deeper dive into the whole idea about how we're wired and how that impacts how we hear and how we speak with one another. But just imagine, um, you know, relationships can be the greatest happiness in our life. They can also be our sources of our greatest pain. And, uh, on this Valentine's Day as we celebrate love and relationships. Uh, just imagine how much stronger and healthier our relationships will be if we remember to kind of have the posture of Jesus, uh, this unselfish heart, but also we kind of pay attention to the filters that we might either be communicating with or listening. So, yeah. Amen.